Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Oh, here we go, boys. that sound. This is a good one. What's up everybody? Welcome to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I'm Dale Luganbill, your host. Well, this year's wrapping up rapidly. <laughs> it's like... This is Christmas Eve as I record this, and uh, so we got another week of 2019. Wow, that's bad. I had to think about that, but yeah, so one more week of that, and then uh, boom, New Year. You guys do New Year's resolutions? I don't. My, I did, I did the smart move. Years ago, my New Year's resolution was to not do any more New Year's resolutions, and unlike most New Year's resolutions, I am happy to report I'm still going strong. I haven't broke it. <laughs> I hope everybody out there is having a good time. Whatever, uh, visiting your family, everything's going great, staying healthy, and getting out and doing fun stuff in the outdoors. So this week's weekend recap and rant, or rant and recap, I can't make up my mind what I want to call this thing, but whatever. There it is. So my nephew is up from South Carolina, and uh, he'd been with us for mm, 10 days. Well, not quite 10 days, but that would total stay 10 days. And uh, so I took a day off of work on Friday to go do something. And I kind of gave him some options. Um, I figured we could go try to shoot some geese down in Rochester with um, Premier Properties. Premier Flight, sorry. Premier Flight Outfitters. Um or we could head up to Mille Lacs, uh, stomp around, try to find some big walleyes, maybe a big pike or two, or break out the long rods and head to the river and catch some smallmouth bass. And I thought for sure he was going to pick goose hunting because he's all about the hunting right now. But he actually picked fishing the river for smallmouth bass. But I guess it's because he hasn't done that yet. I had thought he had done that before in the past, and he hadn't. That was just with his dad, so my brother, and uh, he wasn't part of that, so he wanted to give that a try. So that's what we did. We headed out there, grabbed uh, grabbed some bait and some soft plastics to try some uh, minnow baits. Although, man, you go to the bait shop this time of year in Minnesota, and it's slim pickings on the swim bait trailers, let me tell you. Um, 
So we get out there, uh, not super early, but early enough. And it was a Friday, so I mean this this is no secret. This stretch gets fished like crazy. Um, but I like to get there really early usually, or weekday helps because I'm just not a fan of fishing the crowds. And uh, yeah, we proceeded to knock the socks off them. Not a ton of big ones. We caught like oh I don't know. Ah, uh, maybe three, four that were 17 inches or over, you know, and a good quality fish. But lots of those, like 14s, 15s, and it was a ton of fun. Actually, caught a red horse sucker using a sucker for bait. That's a first. <laughs> like actual hook in the mouth caught a sucker. It was crazy. But man, you know, for as much as I like smallmouth bass and how they fight, dude, I'll tell you what, pound for pound. The red horse sucker, I don't think gets the respect it deserves. That is a fighting fish, man. Holy crap, those things are strong. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah, and then we ran out of bait and we went to uh, plastics. We got some uh, power bait minnows. They're pretty small though, um, like three inch ones. So I wasn't sure how they were gonna work, um, but we did end up catching um, a few on those. And I also caught, like, three rock bass back-to-back, which I don't know about y'all, but this I love rock bass. I don't know. There's something cool about them. Uh, they're another fish that gets no respect. But I was having, And they were studs, dude. These were good, good rock bass. And, uh, I mean, I've fished this stretch for a few years now, and I've never caught anything in the panfish realm at all there. I mean, you catch a wall every once in a while, northern every once in a while, catfish every once in a while. I've even got a carp there before, now a red horse. But, yeah, never. And I suppose probably because I was using that smaller bait, which I don't usually do. But, yeah, so, like, bang, 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 three of them right in a row. It was <laughs> – I was excited. It was awesome. I love my rock bass. Whatever. <laughs> Make fun of me all you want. So we had a good time. We did that. And then uh, Sunday – uh, went fishing, and we're going to go to this private lake that we have been fishing for the last few years, that we have permission to fish it, but not written permission, and uh, never had a problem before. We get out there, we're just suit- suiting up, and sure enough, here comes the sheriff asking if we have permission, which even at this point, I'm like, yeah, we're good, we have permission. And he wanted written permission. And he didn't actually believe me that I had permission. And I didn't want to get into a pissing match with the guy. I'm not, you know, it's like it's not worth it. Just go around to the other end of the lake where I have permission. And we'll talk to that guy. And we should be good to go. Because we haven't talked to him yet this year. You know, we had permission for last year. And it's kind of like hunting permissions. I mean, I guess it's an unspoken rule as far as permissions, at least how I view it. Like every year or every season, um, whatever the type of land access you have permission for, whether it's hunting or fishing or whatever, I feel like every season, every new season, you know, the unspoken rules to reacquire that permission again. You know, things change. You know, properties change. Uh, maybe the, that person doesn't live there anymore, or maybe something happened. They don't want people there anymore. Who who knows? I mean, things change, so you just gotta check up on it. So it was early, and we drove around to the other end of the lake. I didn't see any lights on in the house, and I called and went straight to voicemail. Shit. 
well, I left a message, and I'm like, well, I guess we're not fishing this lake today. So we headed off and uh, found a couple different lakes we were going to try out. Um, I was hunting or fishing with, um, had caught a nice crappie on this one lake. So we're like, well, let's go check that out. So we drive there. It's like another 20 minutes away from where we're at, so it wasn't too bad. We drive out there, um, start drilling, you know, and I wasn't finding fish where I like to find them, which is like away from the crowds, find my own fish. And it's like as I wasn't finding anything, I started getting closer and closer and closer to the village, and I started marking fish and started catching fish. And it's like, oh, great. And so uh, you hate fishing in the crowds. I just hate it. But uh, we did catch some fish, uh, you know, nothing crazy size-wise. Um, but it's like, well, I'm already bored at this lake, and there's more and more people are coming out, and I just kind of reached my limit. And I'm like, we, we got to find something else. So we had another um, tidbit of information about uh, a nearby lake that has decent gills in it so we go check that out much slower not nearly i mean not slower but much um much fewer people out there so already i liked it and you could see the little group out there you know where everybody was going and everybody was walking right out to that group and we started walking out and we just kind of took a break i'm like i'll take a peek at the map and i pull the map up and i'm looking at it and i'm like yeah i can see why they're where they're at but literally where we're standing i don't i don't see any reason just reading the map that there wouldn't be some fish right here so we drill a few holes and sure as shit we start catching fish right there i mean like right nowhere near anybody else i was like this is now this is awesome this is what i like one of the first fish we caught was like a 12 inch crappie pretty nice crappie you know not huge but very respectable and then we started to get um pick up some bluegills and i caught a real chunky pumpkin seed sunfish that was cool uh, they're kind of like my opinion on rock bass i like the same thing i i got a special place in my heart for those pumpkin seeds because they're just they're short and stocky and thick and they have an attitude um i like those fish they're pretty cool and they're gorgeous um so i took a picture of that snapped it uh, shared that on my instagram um so you can go check that out uh yeah and then so we're like well let's go try another lake um supposed to have really good fish in it so we go tear off over to that lake it's close and there are people all over this lake this is not my style we go right in the freaking middle and start popping holes and i'm like oh god <laughs> just but again you know it started off slow but we started finding some fish they're pretty scattered though it was hard i actually wouldn't mind fishing that lake again and getting away from the crowds and um i think you could actually do better because it was like onesies and twosies you never did stumble upon a full-on good school where it was like bang 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 and they're roaming around quite a bit i mean your typical basin crappies um like you'd mark one and you like you had to hurry up and get down there before it moved on or that was that. I mean, if you didn't, they ate. I mean, if you get down to them, they they were pretty active and they'd come eat. But nothing crazy big there either. But so, yeah, all in all, it was a pretty successful day, even though it started off shitty. Um, but we didn't get any of those, like, you know, big, big 
crappies, which is the reason we're going to that private lake in the first place. But, hey, that's how it goes. Um, the good news is the landowner did get back to me, and we did shore up our permission for this season. So now I won't have to worry about it. Yay! And so that was Saturday. So Sunday, or Saturday, my uh, brother comes in from South Carolina, so my nephew's dad, and uh, so Sunday he wanted to go fishing somewhere. So I don't know if he wanted to go ice fishing or what he wanted to do, so kind of the same thing. It's like he was open to whatever, and uh, we just started talking, and, and he's like, you know what, I actually really do enjoy that that river fishing that I did. That was pretty cool. I actually have, <laughs> I actually have a video that I made like a vine of of him on that spot a couple years ago missing a huge a huge smallmouth. He had it on and he claimed it was probably his personal best. He, he you know, we didn't get hands on it, but it, it was big. It did that huge fish like tries to jump, can't jump, just like rolls on its side kind of thing. Yeah, it was big. And uh he was playing it <laughs> the video is just priceless. Um, do I have that on my YouTube channel? I might. I don't know. I'll try it. I should. I should find that and share it. I've shared it a few times, but man, it just makes me smile. And his rod's just bent over, and he's fighting this thing. And all of a sudden, you just see his rod go perfectly straight. That line breaks. And he slaps that water and turns around. Oh, I love it. Oh, sorry, bro, but that's hilarious. I mean, it's just warms the cockles of my heart every time. So, anyways, that's he's like, yeah, let's go do that. So we get up earlier this time because I wanted to get there almost right at sunrise, and we still weren't quite there at sunrise. We did get there shortly after. Um, again, I like getting down there really early because now it's Sunday. The weather's supposed to be warm, so this place is going to turn into a zoo. And I like getting there early. Early bird gets the worm. You get to place yourself. It's also just absolutely stunning gorgeous down there when the sun comes up and the steam's rising off the river and you know maybe it's frozen you know, the trees are all frosty and you got the snow it's just a winter wonder it's just, it's it's something special i i really dig it and uh, we get out there and yeah the fish are biting still they had moved there they moved a little bit from where they were a couple days ago um so you know just as a tip in general, just because you found them in a certain spot, whether it's ice fishing, open water, whatever, yesterday or two days before, doesn't mean they're going to be there again. So you have to be willing to adjust. And so we just, you know, kept searching around, and we found the, the stretch that day that seemed to hold the most fish. And we caught a lot better fish this time around. Like we probably caught oh, oh well over half a dozen, um, 17 or better. I mean, they were good thick fish oh an interesting side note is i caught so on friday i caught this bass that had a very distinct black spot on his side and i took a picture of it well two days later i catch that exact same bass again like <laughs> unbelievable i mean i know like you catch fish that have been caught there all the time you see like the healed over wounds on their lips and stuff like that um but that's I mean, two days worth using the same presentation pretty much. Like, dang. But they're feeding, though. I mean, you're catching these things, and they're spitting up minnows, and they're, you know, I mean, they're they're just, they're feeding up. Their bellies are all thick. and 
that was a good time, man. And then, um, oh, I caught a catfish that day. Uh, wasn't huge. It was good eating size. We didn't keep it. But, um, so yeah, I caught a catfish that day. A uh, couple small northern pike. Um, so, yeah, that was pretty cool. Good times. And then, uh, yeah, so that's it. That's what we did. Uh, how was your weekend? Um, if you got any good hero shots and trophy pictures or pile picks or whatever from the weekend, please go on to uh, our Facebook page, the Full Scale Outdoors group page, and post them up on there. I'd love to see them. And I'm always looking for ideas for the rant part of this, which I will get into here in a little bit. So find us on Facebook, Full Scale Outdoors, and then the Full Scale Outdoors group page and check that out also uh, a lot of the pictures that i'm posting um i've been only posting on instagram um just mostly out of laziness but it just seems to be more i don't know seems to be the place for it more so than facebook is so if you would like to follow along with that it's full scale underscore outdoors on instagram so you can check me out there all right so Today's rant, or this week's rant, we're talking wolves, baby. Big bad wolves, because the Trump administration is looking to delist um, the wolf from the Endangered Species Act, which would remove the federal protection and give the states uh, management back to the states to deal with as they see fit. Now, the weird thing is, I mean, this is a high, I don't have to tell you, this is a highly contested thing. People get real emotional about wolves. And I get it. They're a majestic animal. They're cool, man. I love wolves. I do. I really, really do. I think wolves are badass. I do not subscribe to the the only good wolf is a dead wolf. That's bullshit. That is not true whatsoever. I do still think they need to be managed. I do still think that in almost any kind of wildlife management situation, hunting has proven itself time and time again and trapping to be the most effective tool. Um, definitely the most cost effective because instead of paying sharpshooters or professional trappers or whatever the thing may be, um, spending taxpayers' money to do those things, people pay you, pay the government. They buy the tags, they buy the things. They're spending tax dollars on the equipment. It's just, it's to me, it's a no-brainer. And I just, I don't understand. I do understand, but I don't understand. Because what we're dealing with, and sorry if I repeat myself a lot. I know I go on this very similar rant a lot. But we're dealing with ignorance with most of the anti-hunting crowd. They're not, they're just not well-versed. They just... They like the idea of animals, and that's generally as far as it goes. They don't know anything about them other than that they're pretty. And when it comes to um, charismatic species like the wolf, that's it, like at an all-time high. They, just doesn't, they will just flat out tell you they don't care about the numbers or stats or facts or whatever. They like wolves, and therefore they shouldn't be hunted or trapped and you're evil for thinking that and wanting to do that. And it's just fucking bullshit is what it is. But um, I was going to kind of, so this is a rant slash kind of a tip, like how I go about debating people that have an opposing viewpoint on this. And when you, when you come across one of these over emotional, rational, uh, very ignorant 
uh, animal rights people. And, and a lot of times they're not even animal rights people. I mean, you get a lot of the just casual, you know, suburban cat lady, or not even cat lady, just just city folk of, of, of any shape, size, sex, you know, whatever. Like, it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's just, they're just not, they don't have the experience in how nature actually works. And they're the ones that, a lot of times speak the loudest and they're in large populated areas. So they unfortunately have a very strong voice when it comes down to legislation. So we have to be careful on how we approach um, people we come in contact with and we have these conversations and I'm not going to take the stance that (laughs) I hear most times in the outdoor media realm this really soft like we need to portray ourselves as this or that or the other thing there is an element of that but i don't do it i think we do it to a fault we do it to a fault because they don't care by by taking a clean picture of your deer where its tongue isn't hanging out and it's not bloody um, maybe it doesn't trigger them at the moment but when it comes down to it at the at the voting booth, they don't like hunting. They don't like the idea of it. And just because you had a clean, cleaner picture that year, isn't enough. That doesn't that doesn't do it. So, I, I don't think there's any harm in in making better pictures. Just because I think they look better, just they're more appealing to my eye. The neater the picture is, but I don't do that to appease the ignorant masses at all. But so I don't take that, you know left stance if i will as far as the conservation goes um mine's not nearly as soft as that but it's not the other side either and i think that's where a lot of us can do a ton better like we don't have to acquiesce to their or give in to their over emotional outburst but there's a nice level-headed calm way to get your point across that will leave them exposed to at least having to openly admit that all they're basing their opinion is is emotion. And that actually might reach some people. If not, at least onlookers will see that, and one side is emotional and the other side is rational, and that might help tip the scales in your favor down the line, you know, by the people watching on the side, not even actively in the debate. So here's kind of how I would go about it. I mean, I can get down to... You know, you can give them all the facts, um, but I'm going to lay the groundwork down of how you can kind of, I don't really want to say trap them, but you, you kind of are. So you get them going on a different subject, and the easiest one is climate change because generally speaking, the people that are going to be against wolf hunt or wolf trapping are also going to be the loudest um people when it comes to climate change global warming you know that kind of um on that stance and you'll hear these people a lot of times you know they'll use they'll blame people on the far right you know trump supporters or whatever and it has nothing to do with who the president is but they like to start throwing the word science around which is great because here's how you're going to use that against them but you start off with so if you find yourself in a in a conversation about wolves 
with a person that's overly emotional and irrational. You back off of the wolf conversation. Then you switch that conversation to climate change. And now here's where you're going to have to be careful and and try to find some middle ground and a good way of agreeing to disagree if you disagree with climate change. Maybe you agree with it. I'm kind of in the middle. I definitely do think humans have an impact. I don't know what that impact is. I also believe that the climate is going to change whether we do anything or not because the world just doesn't stay the same. So that's kind of my take on that. So that's my that's good middle ground, though. You can find middle ground there on that subject. And then you let them, you want them to use their weapons in that debate. You want them to show their hand. You want them to break out science. You want, We have to be science-based about this. We have to be use facts, actual facts, you know, They'll they'll do that. They they have a, they've been so used to doing that. They won't even notice that you're setting them up. So you establish that you get that well established that we have to rely on science and we can't be ignorant about these things. You have to educate yourself. They love doing that one. Educate yourself. Um, and through all this thing, one of the most important things is to just stay calm. Do not resort to name calling. Don't call them libtards or, you know, like any other kind of derogatory term. Just be calm. Let science do the the talking Um, because you can disagree within science. That's what a lot of people understand. There's not generally 100% consensus about anything when it comes to science. And a lot of science is disproving theories, which is where, and you can bring this up if you'd like, when it comes to climate change, if you bring up a counter-argument to climate change, they immediately like to label you and put you in a corner as a denier, as a climate denier. So all you have to do is remind them that part of the scientific process is trying to disprove the current theory because that has to stand up on its own for it to be fact. And it hasn't really done that yet. I mean, there's a general consensus, but with whom? And it's, it's so much confirmation bias out there, blah, 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 blah. But again, I digress. That's your middle ground. Stay calm. Stay rational. Stay relatively non-emotional if you can. That's the important part. Because you want them to show their cards, and they are going to look foolish when you bring it back to wolves. So now we've established this nice groundwork of facts and science-based decision-making. And now you bring a full circle back to the wolves because now their emotional attachment to these creatures is not going to be enough for a valid argument to stand on its own because what they should be celebrating is that animals that get removed from the Endangered Species Act means they have recovered. That is a success story. And in most of these articles, you'll find, they'll even start off with joining the successful recovery stories of animals such as the bald eagle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you get to use that bald eagle argument as well because you're like, just because they're delisted doesn't mean we're going to wipe them out. As far as I know, even though states have management over eagles, although they still retain national protection because they're the 
symbol, you know, a national symbol. But there's no hunting season on them. You know, it's, it's, that's not what that means. Hunting can be a tool if needed, but it does, that doesn't mean we're going to wipe them all off the face of the earth. And that's the other thing they want to do is, you know, they like to use that if we allow hunting, they're going to get decimated. And why would we want to, we, they just recovered, so why do you want to kill them all again? That's not what management is. And that's not what hunters want to do. We're not, we don't want to knock, it. we like to hunt things. We don't want them to disappear or we wouldn't have things to hunt. I mean, that's kind of counterproductive to what to what they think. So you need to remind them that this is a good thing. Their numbers are up enough for they don't even really, not even really, they don't. They don't qualify to be in the, have protections under the Endangered Species Act because their numbers are recovered to the point where they, they don't qualify for that protection anymore. So they need to be delisted. Now it's up to the states. You know, not every state, so you, you know, states further south, Missouri, for instance, probably has no wolves, you know, so... I mean, they could have a wolf season as they want, but it's not going to do any good because they're just they're not down there. Um, but Minnesota, where I'm at, has a ton of wolves, and even when they put were put on the endangered species list, we had wolves in Minnesota. So it's we're the only state in lower 48 that retained our population at some point, and I'm sure it's because we're basically connected to Canada. Just a small river separating us, so. That populations come and go. Nothing, nothing stays the same. So we've established this basis of scientific fact. Their numbers are here. This is what it means. It goes to the management level, and that's you got them in a corner now because they've already established that science is the basis of their argument for this, that, and the other thing. And now they can't just go, "Well, I just like wolves and they're pretty." I thought we were doing. I thought we were going with science here. No, that's not the case. You know, so they just they cut and choose, or they are they cut and paste and trim and choose, like most people do. I mean, I'm sure I've been guilty of it before, but um, I did, was reading this article about this on well NPR, so whatever. But uh, it wasn't really a um, you know uh, an opinion piece, but there was a thing in here that I wanted to read because it it just yeah, here it is right here. So this is what we're dealing with. So Jamie Rappaport-Clark, former director of the Fish and Wildlife Service, but now he's with the Defenders of Wildlife, hmm, told AP that protections were needed to prevent, quote, an all-out war on wolves, end quote, in the states that would allow them to be hunted. Quote, we don't have the confidence that wolves will be managed like other wildlife, she said, we're going to fight this any way possible, end quote. Come on. This is exactly it. And this is why you have to get them to, you need that steady foundation of scientific fact that they have already agreed to in a different realm that you know they will, such as climate change. Then they can, they have no room. They have no ground to stand on whatsoever once you bring that argument back around to wolves. And because that's not what happens. That is not what happens. Just because they're a hunting season is not an all-out war on wolves. It's not. Because, and you have to bring this up too, there's st- if, even when there isn't 
an open hunting season. Their wolves are still getting killed. They're getting killed um, by uh, legally, if you will, by governments to man. You know, if there's a problem, wolf or or lion or whatever the predator or whatever the thing might be, and then we have to pay these ranchers and farmers money. They they get a credit if they killed livestock. So that's more money coming out of, coming out of our pockets, taxpayers' pocket. They're still getting killed. Plus, you have people, unfortunately, that, you know, you got the three S's, shoot, shovel, and shut up. I mean, they're still going to do it. But if you give them a legal means of managing these wolves, they'll more than likely take the legal means, and they'll buy a license. Now we got money going into the environment. We got money going into conservation. This is a win-win. But... That's when you start getting into the gray area because now that's more of a an, an ethical thing or an ideological thing. But the way to do it is to get them on solid foundation of science and rational thought before you bring the wolves thing in, because then they'll just be naked. They have they have no no ground to stand on whatsoever. So instead of repeating myself anymore, we're at the thirty minute mark. I'm gonna wrap this up. So hopefully that does happen. And we get a wolf season. I'd love, I mean, I'd be good. I'd be good with getting a wolf tag and getting one big male, having that thing tanned. That'd be great. I I don't, for me personally, I don't, I don't think if I got one, I don't think I would continue to do it. I'd be, I'd be one and done. I think it'd be great to have. It'd be a great experience to do. And from all accounts, when like the one year we did have a season, it's not easy. It's not easy to hunt them. It's not easy to trap them. These are smart, smart animals. So it's not like we get to just go out there and, you know, the population is just going to crash. It doesn't. It doesn't crash. Oh, one quick thing I do want to add. And I had heard this in another podcast, and they were talking about management of wolves. Because you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of pushback when they're like, you know, you shoot the alpha male and you disrupt that pack and it's splendid. it's really hard on them and it's stressful on them it's just this is just your typical projecting human emotions upon animals anthropomorphization is the big fancy word for it but that's bullshit too because wolves are in a wolf pack are in a constant state of flux the average lifespan of a wolf in the wild like mo- you should ask them this you should go ask them what they think the average lifespan of a wolf is in the wild. And they're going to, I bet you they give you some age somewhat close to their dog that they have in the house. You know, maybe 8 to 16, they're probably going to say something like that because they're a big dog, right? That's what they equate them to. That's what they see. They see they're fluffy. This is what you got to hit them with. The average lifespan of a wolf in the wild. And this is your alphas, your mega, your your alpha females, the alpha males, blah, 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 blah. Three years. Three years. So their pack is turning over all the time. All the time. There is no stable pack out there that's like this happy family that just wanders around the woods you know, for 16 years at a time and there's a an election process and they elect this new alpha male and it's all peaceful and it's great. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's hard out there for a pimp. I mean, it's tough for those wolves, man. It's a tough, tough life out there in nature. Nature is not kind. It's not Disney. It's, it's brutal. So 
That's a good stat. Keep that one in your back pocket. Hit them with that. Ask them while they, how long they think wolves live. Hit them with the three years. So there you go. All right, everybody. That is this week's uh, recap and rant. <sighs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, happy holidays or happy Hanukkah or bitch and Kwanzaa or whatever it is. Happy Hanukkahmas. Whatever you like to do, do that. I hope you're all in good health. We're coming up on the new year. I wish nothing but the best for all of you out there. Good luck. Be safe. And uh, we will see you Thursday. On Well, see you. You'll hear Thursday, the new episode. that will be with Captain Angie Scott with uh, a fellow member of Waypoint Outdoor Collective. It was another great conversation with her. And so look forward to that. If you haven't yet, please subscribe. Rate and review where possible, and uh, send me some rant ideas for me to look into, give you my opinion, share your content, and uh, let's just keep rolling. All right, everybody. Oh, I am going to start ending this. I have a, I have a little quote. I keep forgetting to do this. Um, when I came up with the name Full Scale Outdoors, it was encompassing many things, but one of the biggest things was the passion of the outdoors and even if it's not the outdoors so here's here's my saying how I will end all of my podcasts from here on out just like this whatever your passion is pursue that full scale you're listening to the waypoint podcast network brought to you in part by hunt stand the number one hunting and land management app. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.